the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The fire of your coming, the glory of your presence, will shake the earth and every heart will know. You are Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel. Shalom and welcome to Heart of Messiah Radio Broadcast. My name is Steve Weiler and I'm the lead rabbi of Sharesh David Messianic Synagogues. Currently we're serving in Wesley Chapel, St. Pete, South Bay near Riverview and Tampa. We welcome all visitors as we desire to see those who are Jewish and not Jewish worshiping together in unity. We're honored to serve the listening audience of AM 570 WTBN and 910 WTWD, Tampa Bay's Faith Talk. Shalom. Today we switch from voting biblical values to taking a look at Genesis. We'll follow the parasha, which means portion. And last weekend, it was Genesis 12 through 17. Uh, And so today we're going to focus on what was read last weekend and just look at pretty much Genesis 12, 1 through 9. First, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. Lord, just settle our spirits as uh, this has been a very wild ride for the elections, and so we we pray that you will pour out your spirit upon us as a country, bring us into unity, pour out your spirit, let there be a real move to uh, doing things your way, Father. So we bless you, we honor you, we worship you. And Lord, we're just looking forward to uh, our joy is in you, our peace is in you. So Lord, just minister and let us be able to share the good news with everybody we meet. Lord, you want us to obey you. And so we are focused on you this day. As we read and study your word, give us your wisdom so that we may live a life of, of service to you and bring you glory. We thank you and praise you for all of this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Okay. So before we look at Genesis 12, uh, let me summarize the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Now, in the beginning, as we know in Genesis, God creates the world and says it is good, Right. And uh, so eventually he makes male and female to rule over his creation. However, unfortunately, uh, Adam and Eve don't obey God. They're tempted by a serpent. They choose to do what is good in their own eyes. 
And we know that that leads to death. And so things haven't changed that much, have they? Uh, Hasatan is still tempting us. We're falling into sin, sin as we're tempted. And God, I don't think, can be very happy with us in this country or in the world and our culture and our obedience. I mean, it would seem like we are in for some judgment. But let's uh, go back to Genesis. So the first 11 chapters of the Bible record God's goodness and humanity's repeated rebellions. So we saw with Adam and Eve, we saw with Cain, and finally things come to a head with violence, disorder, and once again trying to be like God. The people, they, they build this Tower of Babel, and they had things going so well, but, you know, that wasn't enough for them. And there seems to be within us a drive that serves an independent spirit leading us to disobedience because we feel we are right. We want the opportunity to decide right from wrong, and we don't even really want God telling us. And so after stopping the Tower of Babel by dispersing the people with many languages— It was time for God to respond to human evil with his redemptive plan. And I believe that's where we start in Genesis 12. We come to the parasha called Lech Lecha, which means get going or go forth. And the parasha, or the portion, uh, to be read this week, uh, last week, was Genesis 12 through Genesis 17. So parasha means portion and refers to the weekly Torah readings. The Torah is traditionally divided into 54 parashot, which is the plural of parasha. Each weekly Torah portion adopts its name from one of the first either unique or kind of important words that is in the portion. So the traditional annual cycle begins and ends with the Jewish holiday of Simchat Torah, which is why we're only a few weeks into our readings, and that's why we're in Genesis, because we just had at the end of Sukkot um, the holiday of Simchat Torah. So we look at Genesis 12, verse 1, and it says, Then Adonai said to Abram, Get going from your land. So the entire portion is called Lech Lecha because the first important or unique word is get going or Lech Lecha. Now, uh, Rashi, who was a medieval French rabbi and author of commentary on the Talmud and the Hebrew scriptures, explains God's unusual phrasing, and this is how he translated it translates it. He doesn't say, uh, get going or get go out from here. He says, go for you. And he explains it is for Abraham's benefit that he makes this journey, even though he is giving up nearly everything familiar. So God vows in that lech lecha, God vows that if Abraham does as he's told, God will be with him. I'll tell you, I can relate to this story. 
1995, God spoke to me in my quiet time. I, I really wasn't sure it was God. So for the next six months, I prayed, and God just was burning up my quiet time. God wanted me to be a rabbi, and I was saying to God, are you kidding? <laughs> and I told my wife after six months of prayer, and I told my daughter, one of them, after a year of prayer, and after two years of prayer, I told two good friends, and all of them, when they found out, uh, not only were kept it to themselves, but they prayed. So around the fourth year of prayer, I met someone, and as soon as they started talking about Tampa, I knew that's where God wanted me. So I spoke to my wife, and it ended up we took a road trip because actually, um, this is the short story, two uh, places actually were interested in us, one in Tampa and the other in Charleston. But as I already said, I knew it was going to be Tampa. So we made a decision, but a few months before we were about to move from Philadelphia to Tampa, I really got scared. And I went to the prayer meeting in in Philly at my congregation, or the one I belonged to, and I saw a vision while I was praying. And this is one of two visions I've ever received. And I saw a figure, which I believe to have been Yeshua, And there were all these, like, waves of water, which he was holding back. And then the figure lets go of the waters. And and what I felt God was saying to me was that he would anoint me once I got down to Florida. But in the meantime, he was just holding it at bay. And that vision always stayed with me when I have been upset or doubting or down on my calling. People have hurt me or, you know, the the normal stuff, right? And so my wife and I, along with one of our daughters and a dog, moved to Tampa with very little financial promises. In fact, my income was reduced about 75%. And... So we lived in a room in the back of the synagogue, and my father was so upset with me. Uh, He didn't see it as stepping out on faith. He said it was being ridiculous and stupid and and one of the worst moves I've ever made. Uh, And there was other opposition uh, by people I knew, but all my prayer partners agreed with that move. So lech lecha, I kind of understand that. And in Genesis eleven thirty one, Terah took Abram his son and Lot and Haran's, uh, Haran's son, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abraham's wife, and he took them out of Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah's days were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. Chapter 12, verse 1. Then Adonai said to Abraham, Get going from your land, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. 
So first of all, we see from this verse that Abram must have known God before because he recognized the voice. He understood who was speaking with him. He must have had other encounters that we didn't read about in Scripture. And secondly, that God waited until Abraham's father died. And I feel like, you know, I understand that because there are certain family members who can really hold you back from what you're meant to do because they just don't understand it. And that might have been the case with Abram. Imagine that you were with Abram and explain to your friends and family that you just heard from God and we need to all get up and follow me. I don't know where I'm going, but we're going to depend on God, on him alone for direction, for protection, for food and water. Imagine that you were Abram's friend and you wanted to counsel him. What would you have said to him? You might have said, uh, which God? You know, because most of the people around serve many gods. Or they might talk about the Canaanites who were in the land and it could be dangerous. Or they might say, uh, we were just putting down roots. Why are we leaving now? Look, this was God's third try with people. You know, first... Uh, they just wouldn't listen. Abraham and, uh, I'm sorry, Adam and Eve, and uh, then the people before the flood. So finally, when we get to Abram, who's this man of faith, he uh, will be used to bless the world through the Messiah. So, but it, by and large, man takes a good world and messes it up. And man chooses to define good and evil for themselves, right? And man contributes to a world of broken relationships, broken between the man and God and broken between man and man. So God needs to rescue them. And the rest of Genesis is about Abram and his family. And the rest of Scripture, all of Scripture, is about God's rescue plan. Now, unfortunately, it seems that man continues to rebel and doesn't listen. Now, we continue with Genesis 12, 2. My heart's desire, God says, is to make you into a great nation, to bless you, to make your name great, so that you may be a blessing. The beginning of God's solution, that's what it is. And he takes Abram, he says, I'm going to make you a great nation, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your name great so that you can bless others. In verse 3, it says, my desire is to bless those who bless you, but to those who whoever curses you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So uh, Abram's chosen by God, and, and so on, the Jewish people follow that, chosen to be blessed, and chosen to bless others. And that's the key to Scripture, God's grace, mercy, and blessings, and wanting us to do the same. The key to Abraham is Abraham blessed others. Uh, the key to the Jewish people, really, is that we bless others. And the key to the world is that Jewish people bless the world. And, you know, there are many ways we can talk about that. Look, God continues to display his faithfulness to his word by keeping Israel nation before him. There are no other old uh, nations that were around then that really are around now uh, you know, that lost their land and had to come back. And so God uh, supernaturally protected Israel and making Israel a blessing to the world, even though the world doesn't recognize it, but many uh, 
of their um, the things they've designed are used all over the world. Uh, and and like uh, as an example, the way to irrigate that that would be one example, but there are hundreds of examples. And then providing the foundation for the knowledge that Messiah Yeshua is our Lord and Savior. So God's plan is to rescue and bless this rebellious world through Abram's family. Abraham's family will later be called Israel, a kingdom of priests. We see this in Exodus 19.6. So as for you, you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you are to speak to B'nai Yisrael, to tell the children of Israel. So as we read the story of Abraham and his family in Genesis, even though he was picked, we still see that, number one, he messed up so often. I mean, like twice calling his wife his sister and having relationships with his wife's servant. Uh, But God is faithful to forgive and shows his grace continuously and is still able to call Abraham righteous because of his faith. So Abraham went um, in verse 4, just as Adonai had spoken to him, also Lot went, went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed Haran. And Abraham obeyed, and this is so important for us to focus on, that Abraham and his family continued to mess up, but they had faith, they listened, they obeyed, and Abraham was seen as righteous by God. And that's good for us to know, right? That we can mess up and God will still see us righteous if we have faith and obey him. Genesis 12, 5, Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, and all their possessions and they, that they had acquired, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, they all left to go to Canaan, and they entered the land of Canaan. Abraham's call actually touched many, many people, and they followed him. So one, he was called, but others, they followed. And we see in Genesis twelve six, Abram passed through the land as far as the place of Shechem, as far as the Moraz big trees. The Canaanites were in that land, but God protected everyone. And in Genesis twelve seven, then Adonai appeared to Abram. And said, I will give you this land to your seed. So there he built an altar to Adonai, who had appeared to him. It Look, to me, it's clear that the Lord physically actually appeared to Abram. We see it in twice in this verse, and we see it again in chapter 18. I believe that was Yeshua. The word there to see is ra'ah in Hebrew, and it means to appear. And and the who appeared? Well, it was Yud Hey Vav Hey, the name of the Lord, which means the existing one. And then we see that Abram built an altar to the Lord. And he look, he had just seen the Lord in the flesh. It was his place of worship. It was a testimony to his family. It was a testimony to the all the idolaters around him who lived around him, that there's only one true God. The altar was also a memorial, a place of remembrance that he could go back and just know that God would meet him there. And it was also a reminder of his continuous relationship with God. And then in Genesis 12, 8, we see that 
he moved to the mountain uh, at Bethel, which means house of God, erected his tent, and there he built an altar to Adonai and called on the name of Adonai. And, and so we see again that he built another altar for the very same reasons. Um, okay, look, we are, uh, we are a temple for the living God, right? In 2 Corinthians 6, 16, what agreements does God's temple have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And that's exactly what God did. Look, in the same principle that God started throughout the book of Genesis, he wants us to hear, understand, obey. And so what are we to do? We are to live a long life. And hey, hey, if you walk a lot, obviously, like Abraham, you live a long life. Do you realize it was 600 miles to go from Ur to Haran? And then going back to Shechem was 400 miles. And, and then to Egypt later on was 225 miles. And then back. So the, Abraham definitely walked a lot. But what we need to do, here are the, the keys. We need to hear his voice. And I pray that you every day are listening for God to speak to you. It takes some time. It takes some trust. And actually, trust is the second thing, faith, that we need to trust that God is wanting to have that relationship with us, wanting to speak to us so that we can hear and um, his voice. And when we hear his voice and when we trust in him, then we will obey him, right? And so that's the third key. So we hear his voice, we trust him, we obey him, and then we build an altar. Now, as I said, you're not going to build an altar and, and sacrifice the way Abram did, but you know what? You build an altar in your heart, a place of worship, a place to remember your relationship, a place of testimony to you and to others. Because God will see, I mean, people will see God in your heart, just like they saw when Abraham created this, this uh, altar. You have an altar in your heart, and people will see that. And so, number five, you are to bless people to be a blessing to others, and then you'll receive a blessing. So how can you bless others? Well, three simple things. Number one, your actions. Number two, your words, fruits of the Spirit, kindness, right? And three, testimony of Yeshua in your life. So if there's somebody listening today who doesn't know Yeshua as their Messiah, just say, I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that Yeshua is my Messiah and atonement for my sins, and I dedicate my life to you. And if you have said that, I'm asking you to call Karen in our office and let her know. We'll send you out a book. We'll um, send you out some encouragement as well. Um, love to talk to you. Call Karen at 813 831-5673. Let us know you've accepted Yeshua as your Messiah. Also, check out our website, shereshtavid.org. Uh, we love visitors. Um, we'll be happy to 
um, email you some uh, ways to read the Bible, if you would like that, starting with the Parasha reading program. So just let us know that you'd like us to email you something. We'll be happy to do that. And look, I pray this radio program ministers to you, and and I'm asking if you can uh, give us a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. That would really bless us as, as things are definitely a little tight. But call Karen for that at 813-831-5673. I'd like to close with a prayer for you. Lord, I just pray in the name of Yeshua, oh Lord, help us to hear your voice. Help us to trust in you. Help us to obey you. Help us, oh Lord, to to make an, an altar in our heart for you. And Father, let us be a blessing. I pray that the Lord Yeshua would be our first priority. So may we grow in our desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah, Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.